You're listening to Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM. I'm Dee Clark, and this is Cortez Currents, which you can also access in text form at cortezcurrents.ca. And this week we are pleased to present a five-part series in which we find out about the Cortez Death Care Collective, a volunteer association dedicated to bringing death and funeral arrangements back into the hands of family and neighbors, rather than corporate funeral parlors. I interview Margaret for sure with an occasional comment from Emma Teos on what the collective is, what services it offers to Cortez residents, how green burials work, and much more. Stay tuned this week at 3 p.m. for all five episodes. I think the Death Care Collective is a group of people on Cortez, and there's also a group on Quadra who are interested in talking more about death and dying and opening up conversations and learning more and becoming more aware. So each month from September through April, there is a monthly meeting, and part of the monthly meeting is a half hour is devoted to sharing, talking about death, what's come up for us since our last meeting. I know one woman shared at one of our meetings, and it's like, I haven't talked about this since my daughter died 40 years ago. But after meeting, you know, several times, she felt comfortable just to to share. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is, I think it's important for us to talk about it. And then the next half hour is devoted to learning something. So bringing somebody from the community in who knows about maybe organ donation or or how a cemetery is run or made or voluntarily stopping eating and drinking or acclimation. So that half hour is devoted to a presentation, to learning. I know we had community members to come forward and just to share their experience of the death of a loved one. And and the last half hour is devoted to business-type topics. So the business-type topic might be where are we at with natural burials? Where are we at with community-led death care? Do we want any education events in the community? And who wants to, to do those? And that sort of thing. So that's, that's the hour and a half. That is the Death Caring Collective meeting. And there's so much wisdom on this island that... As the facilitator, it's a matter of bringing that wisdom together and having people learn from one another. We all come from different backgrounds, different places in our lives, different experiences with death. And to come together and share that knowledge in a way that's speaking about it itself is helpful. And for the listeners, it's helpful as well. And it really helps us become a community too, because... These things are close to the heart, and some of our experiences are tender and difficult, and to actually share them opens us to life, really. That's, that's what it's about, is opening to life. Death is a part of life. We wish it were optional. It's not. It is part of our human journey, whether we want it to be or not, so opening ourselves to it, learning more about it, having conversations, doing things differently. If if we don't like the status quo, then we need to learn about what the alternatives are and prepare for them. The face of it that I've seen is a resource, kind of like a support group of people who are willing to step in 
and stand by people who are dealing with a death in the family or someone who is in the process of dying. So, but it sounds like Margaret's vision is bigger than that, not just a support yeah. group, but yeah. So, so it started in 2018. I had noticed, so it started earlier than that. There was a group on Quadra that began on 2016 that I was a part of. And in 2018, I started spending a lot more time back on my beloved Cortez. And I noticed a number of people had been trained by the Campbell River Hospice here on Cortez. And my immediate thought was, oh, there's the community. There's a core group that we can start this with. And I met with them a few times. And from that point, it's like, okay, we have enough of a core here to expand this into the community. And then we invited the community into just meetings, talking about it, opening up conversations and education. And that was, that was kind of it. But one of the things that we learned about, and I, and I had learned about this earlier and kind of taken it to the Quadra group and now taking it to the Cortez group was natural burials. We went to Denman Island, several of us, on a, on a trip. And it was a lovely day. Denman Island has an amazing natural burial cemetery. And we got to talk to the people there and see the cemetery. We got to meet a Glenn Kausher who weaves these amazing willow caskets from willow that he grows on his own property. Yeah, natural burials just resonated with a lot of people. So then we formed a subcommittee to see if we could get natural burial to be an option on Cortez Island. Another thing that we learned from Denman Island was what they called friends and neighbors. So a group of people, when a death occurs, a group of people who will come together and help the family navigate death in whatever way they choose. And we took their idea and called it community-led death care. So that is, that's not the Cortez Death Caring Collective. That's a, a subcommittee or a volunteer group that's kind of an offshoot of the Cortez Death Caring Collective. Community-led death care is also an offset of the Quadra Way to Go group. And the two islands have been collaborating with their community-led death care. We share the same website that Aton created for us here on Cortez, and it's Quadro was able to just add some things to it, and now it serves both communities. It's called communityleddeathcare.ca. So there's the Cortez Death Caring Collective. There's the natural burials happening in the two cemeteries. There's community-led death care. Perhaps in the future, there will be other things as we learn more and educate ourselves and each other. There may be more opportunities to, to be more conscious about how we want to die, about how we want to return our bodies to the earth. I think most people, the face that has been visible to most people in the community is the facilitation of funerals, the support of bereaved yeah. people. That's the immediate interface right. that people are experiencing. And I've been very impressed with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my interaction starts with really Keith's death. Mm-hmm. And the quality of support that mm-hmm. Suzanne received from you guys was wonderful. And, of course, natural burial. I think a lot of people are becoming pretty offended with the 
funeral home industry and the way that death is handled, that it's depersonalized, that it's corporatized, that it's being handled for profit, that people's bodies are being pickled, put in ridiculously expensive boxes, Mm -hmm. and huge profits are being made Mm -hmm. on this. And you guys seem like this very radical, subversive end run around that whole what has been a monopoly industry for a long time, where government regulation has basically given that funeral home industry a monopoly. Mm-hmm. There, there is no alternative, you know, and now there's an alternative. There's always been an alternative. We just haven't known about it. The alternative has been really discouraged. Yeah. Like, it, it's not easy to pursue an alternative. Like you're saying, it has been a monopoly in that sense. And I think the way that our culture is phobic about death Mm -hmm. is one of the barriers that has been put up to seeking that alternative, because if people are phobic about it, can't think about it, don't want to think about it, then you're that much more likely just to hand it all over to a professional. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We want it to go away. Yeah. Yeah. And the funeral industry has been more like, more like a garbage disposal industry, you know, and that it's out of sight, out of mind, it's all managed, it all goes away. Mm-hmm. And so you guys, I think, are doing something very powerful in getting people out from under that mm-hmm. monopoly mm-hmm. and getting them to reclaim that process for themselves. So props to you. Yeah, and I think it's the reclaiming that is more powerful, I guess, in a sense. We are giving so much to the funeral industry. Like, we love these people. And now that we're allowing their bodies to be tended to by strangers, we're allowing strangers to guide us in making decisions that might not even be who we are. I think we've all had experiences of funerals that have been done by people who don't know our loved ones. I know when I saw my dad embalmed with makeup on, he's a farmer. It just felt so wrong. And yet, prior to that, I I didn't know there were alternatives. After that experience, I... I learned that there are alternatives. And then when my when my nephew died, 25 years old in Comox, my, my sister's son, we did it differently. We had his body at home. We had the casket built in the garage by people who knew him. It was so, so hard. Everything about it was was difficult. It was heart-wrenching. But it was real. Mm-hmm. And... And we did it together. And I think that's the other thing that when you deal with a funeral home, often they'll take things on for you. And there's no place to channel those emotions that are so intense. And yet if if people are united in caring for the body and in uh, building the casket, now we've got a real focus that's very tangible and practical and real and and together I think that's another big thing and yeah it's going to be hard no matter how we do it but I think if we can do it in a way that aligns with our values in a way that involves our community then we can also find the beauty in it because that was my experience with my father's death not what happened afterward but but there was beauty there too and because I was able to be present to the 
challenges of it, I also got to experience the beauty of it. And the more I'm involved in this, the more people I talk to, the more I learn, there is a lot of nuggets for us in death. And we're missing out on them because we're not aware of what we're allowed to do ourselves and maybe because we're too afraid and we just give it all to the funeral home to to take care of and and funeral homes have a place in our society I really see that but for many it's just not necessary we we can do this ourselves what services are you offering to the community paperwork is something that people are really challenged by it's like there's legalities and it's true there are legalities and you do need to know what they are and how to navigate them and the information is not readily available or hasn't been but if you look on the community-leddeathcare.ca site and you see documentation required when a death occurs it lays it all out very well the problem is when a death occurs People are not in a space where they can attend to details, where they can gate paperwork. And our community-led death care is not there to do things for people. We're there to assist families in doing things for themselves. And paperwork is probably one of our things that we can really help the family with. And, And that's one of the things we say, you know, just give us the information. We can take care of this. There's nothing cathartic about paperwork for most people. But there is a lot that's cathartic about having a body and tending to it and building the casket and having vigils and, and involving community in the experience of, of tending to, to a death. Yeah, I, I so wish that I had had those resources when my mom died. Yeah. Because it was the wall of paperwork instantly. I mean, you're like blindsided. It was very sudden. It was unexpected. So Mm -hmm. I'm like blindsided, Mm -hmm. away from home, had to travel to go deal with it all. And the first thing you get is this paperwork, paperwork, paperwork. And it's, yeah, I I would have given a lot to have had some support in that because it was overwhelming at the time. It's like you don't even, you can't even process the death or the grief or anything. You have to put all that off. Because what you really have to do is go stand in lines and fill out forms and make phone calls. And ah, yeah, so how important this is for people. The other thing I was thinking about, skipping back to funeral homes for a minute, was that in your community-led model, people can express their love for the person who's gone by tending their bodies, supporting the bereaved, building a coffin, In the conventional model, the only way that people are given to express that love and that respect is to give more money to the funeral home, to get a fancier casket, to buy more flowers. And so that human emotion of wanting to honor that dead person gets channeled into making a profit. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, that people do want to honor the loved one, so they, they... Put together a celebration of life or a memorial service or whatever it is but I think for the family that's not a way to channel emotion they just can't wait for that to be over so that they can start to process their grief whereas tending to the body building a casket I mean burying somebody like having an actual burial 
and it doesn't, I'm not talking about like with a priest and with a whole bunch of words, just the simplicity of six people each with a rope in their hand, lowering the casket into the earth, perhaps the widow, you know, shoveling the first bit of earth. I mean, we have a ceremony there, a very, very rich, powerful ceremony that is helpful for the bereaved. And I think the the celebration of life or the memorial service is also helpful for the bereaved. I I don't want to take that away, but it's also, I think it's hard to grieve and put together memorial service (laughs) at the same time. Whereas building a casket and tending to a body, you, you can't help but grieve. I know when my sister was with her son's body in the bedroom and a number of us were there and she sat on the bed and read the childhood stories that he enjoyed when he was young. It was like it was sacred. That's that's what I would call sacred. And his sister lying beside him and stroking his hair. It was like it was so heart-wrenching. But, but yeah, there was grief and it was expressed there was grief and it was shared and it didn't have to be postponed for the obligations of being a good host and having a memorial in the home because I think you're right that for a lot of people they can't wait for that to be done so that they can actually have their privacy so they can actually do the emotional work of dealing with that death Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking that you guys have a lot of emotional courage that you're walking into these situations and sharing these very difficult emotions with these families and these people. Are there other similar groups in BC that you're aware of? Are you in contact with other groups? Is there any kind of network of this kind of community work? We first heard about community-led death care, friends and neighbors from Denman Island. So it's available, I know, on Denman, Quadra, and Cortez. I'm sure there's other communities that are doing this as well. There seems to be so much information out there. But as far as I know, as far as I know, there's not like a a single network of community-led death care. There's a lot of talk about death doulas. Death doulas seems to be the way in for a lot of people, is learning how to do things themselves. My small experience with death doula in a small place like Cortez and like Quadra and like Denman is is it's much better as a community service than as an individual and why is that there's a lot of talk about death on the radio there's a lot more talk about death than there used to be but for families actually to do things differently that's a big stretch and as a community group what we can offer is really, like Denman says, like to our friends and neighbors, it's quite likely that somebody will know somebody who knows somebody. And it can come in more organically, the way you came in with Keith's death. Like, we're not here to do things for people. We're here to assist families and the support structures that they already have and just make them aware of what they can do and that we are here to help. So I think community-led death care in a small place makes a lot of sense and maybe death doulas in bigger urban centers make a lot of sense there are there any costs involved 
like I've had a couple of people ask me that when I said that I was planning this interview. They said, well, I want to know more about this. Like, do I have to pay to get a plot in the cemetery? Do I pay the Death Care Collective for their help? How are they funded? What's your relationship with the cemeteries? Are there fees involved? Things that people are kind of curious yeah. about. So here on Cortez, it's amazing that we have cemeteries that are free. You don't buy the plot. On Quadra, a plot costs $200. That's very fortunate. Both all these cemeteries, I'm talking Manson's Landing, Whale Town, and then the Quadra Island Cemetery, the Quadra Island Cemetery on the back road. All of these have been run by volunteers for years. The land was initially donated by volunteers. The volunteers continue to maintain the cemeteries. So the cemeteries themselves are free. The cost of you know, a machine to dig a grave, $350, $400, that needs to get paid. The other costs involved are, are whatever the family chooses to spend money on. So if they, we have some local builders who have said families can call us to build a casket. So that, that would be an expense for the family. If they build it themselves, they would obviously have to buy the wood. I know that with a simple shroud, which is allowed here on Cortez, it doesn't really have to cost anything because you can wrap a body in sheets and it can be very dignified. We've learned that. And as far as the other costs, I mean, as a volunteer service, they're really... If people choose to do the death-related tasks themselves, it doesn't have to cost money. It, it costs in other ways. I think it's a hard thing to let people into your lives during a tender, intense time. It's not always... We're not always at our best after a death occurs. In some ways, it might be easier to allow strangers and sign a check. I get that. So to open your home, open your heart, open your lives to having other people come in, people that you may know, people that you may have just been acquaintances before, it's not an easy thing to do. But as far as affordability, yeah, it, it really doesn't have to cost anything. Well, that was part one of our five-part series on the Cortez Death Care Collective, airing at 3 p.m. every day this week and available also as podcasts at cortezcurrents.ca. In the remaining episodes, we'll learn more about green burials and more specific details of how we can take the process of dying into our own hands. Just a reminder... The views and opinions heard on this program are not endorsed by Cortez Community Radio, its board, its staff, its membership, or any granting agency, but are those of the writer, producer, and guests. And, as always, thanks for listening. Comrades that e'er I had, they're sorry for my going away. And of all the sweethearts that e'er I had, they'd wish me one more day to stay. 
Good night and 